0: jkr podcast hey we have pennsylvania native current freshman pitcher at villanova we got luke matta on the podcast luke super pumped to get you on the show man how are you doing today
1: you're well excited to be here thank you for having me
0: hey of course thanks for coming on the show all right so you just said before we started recording you're back home now um so kind of take us through what this what this fall baseball season was like your first year, freshman year um at villanova
1: yeah, I mean it was definitely a wake up. Uh, as soon as we got there, so we don't do any anything over the summer um, within Villanova, uh, but we moved in. I want to say August fourteenth, and as soon as we got there, hit the ground running. So it's just been lifts, lifts, speed training, practice, extra early work, extra work every single day. So it was kind of a definitely a wake up, and just the difference between high school and travel ball, and. How big of a commitment division one baseball is.
0: Yeah. So what what were some of the biggest surprises that you had um as you were going through the fall?
1: Um, definitely just the workload. Um, just how every day you're gonna wake up and you're not gonna feel good, but you're gonna have to just tell your body you're all right and you're gonna have to keep going through it. Just like there were so many days throughout the fall where I just woke up and if it was a normal, if it was back in high school, I would just be like, I'm not going to school today. Like I just like, I'm just not ready to work today, but um, being in that environment, it's just, like, you have to get up and go, and you have to get up and get to work, and uh, that was definitely the biggest biggest surprise for me is just every day you're not going to feel good, and that's really where I learned I need to take advantage of the trainers and just, like, the, uh, the technology we have at Villanova as far as, like, Normatex, scraping, cupping, stuff like that, just to try to give my body the best opportunity to recover.
0: Yeah. So, what are some what are some of those ways that you go about recovering? Um, you mentioned cups there. Some of that other technology. Uh, what is that main use of the technology that you
1: use? Um, I'm huge scraping and cupping. Um, I just uh, again that might be a placebo thing. Like, I just I feel like it makes me perform at my highest highest possible level. So I'll do uh, scraping on my forearms. I'll do cupping on my back down my shoulder, and then I also use um there's there are Normatec leg sleeves. So like compression sleeves, like cut kind off circulation in certain areas of your legs um, just to help blood flow. I use that a lot. And then um, contrast tubs are another huge one I just started using, um, just hot, cold tubs. Um, that was another really, really big one.
0: So um, as kind of like this fall ball is coming to an end, um, you guys probably finished actual team stuff, what, a couple of weeks ago?
1: Yeah, it was probably like three weeks. I now. know.
0: Okay, so when you head back for these what final three weeks before kind of finals and then Christmas break, uh, what what's that going to look like on a day to day basis? Um, in terms of is it more individual stuff or kind of at this point in the year what's going on
1: uh, within that Villanova baseball team? So we have um a man. I don't know if it's throughout the whole NCAA, but I know with Villanova we have a mandatory dead period. Like not dead period, but we our coaches can't talk to us. We can't. Uh, get or they could talk to us but they can't um they can't see us the week of finals and the week before finals so those are completely dead again everything's on your own and then the week before that we'll do um we're in eight an eight hour period so we get eight hours total of team activity. so we'll have four hours are dedica- dedicated to speed and lift and then another four hours on individual side so we'll do uh we'll have like a pitcher's individual practice where it's just you know, come in and get your throwing done at our at our indoor facility because it's 25 degrees today, I think. And um, get your throwing done, get your recovery, your active recovery, passive recovery, and get out.
0: Okay. So what did that day-to-day look like um, just week by week when it was actually fall ball season, when you guys were working out as a team every day? Uh, can you take us through what Villanova va- baseball does when it comes to that day-to-day and fall ball?
1: Yeah, so when we were in our, uh, our 20-hour period, it was – I'd wake up – at uh at seven, get breakfast, go to class from eight thirty to about eleven thirty. Walk over to our locker room, get changed. Uh, we would lift one to two, and then we'd practice two to five thirty every single day.
0: Okay, so Monday through Friday.
1: Um. Uh yeah.
0: Okay, so then they they gave, they gave you guys Saturday Sunday off, or um,
1: Saturday was like a fifty fifty day it, depending on like. And again, everything goes back to that uh, twenty hours. So you have twenty hours in the week for team activities. So if we were if we were close to it, um, they would give us Saturday off. And then if we were if we had you know three hours, two hours to spare, we go and we go in and get our work in on Saturday. Okay. So at this point
0: where you're kind of, you've gone through fall ball, um, you've kind of seen what's, what some of the depth chart, what some of the compet, some of your uh, team competitors are going to be uh, when it comes to just the roster and where you're going to be at uh, pitching wise for innings. Uh, like, what do you think the outlook is on this upcoming spring? Just in your mind, like where are you, th- where do you think you're sitting at, at that depth chart? Do you think you're going to be getting quite a few innings or kind of just take us through
1: that a little bit? What's going through your mind? Um, I mean, obviously my hope is I want to go out there and compete, um, but I, I'm not really hundred percent sure. It's just like again, we have eighteen we have eighteen new guys this year, new uh just between freshmen and um grad transfers. So uh there's definitely a lot of innings up for grad, but I'm hoping for a weekend bullpen roll and definitely just uh prove myself early, prove that I can be trusted on the mound. I could get big outs and big spots against anybody. So that's that's really where I'm at.
0: Okay. So at this point, now that you've kind of built relationships with some of your teammates, um, who do you think are some of the guys that you've kind of bonded with the most? And were there a couple of guys that you knew before
1: you actually stepped on campus? Yeah. So there were uh, two guys, two guys. Yeah. Two guys. I knew they were from uh, about 20 minutes away from me. So Chiggy Degatano and Marcus Labuda were two guys I knew coming in. They're both uh, right-handed pitchers as well. And then um, I've gotten really close with uh Luke DeZeda. She's a grad transfer from Binghamton. Um, that guy is one of the smartest people when it comes to throwing I've ever seen. The guy's like a mad scientist. It's unbelievable. Um, And uh, Sal Fusco and Cade Udell, um, as well as Chick. Uh, Those are three guys that like, I just love the way they work. And um, I came in just, I I felt like I just wanted to see how people work, like see how they go about their business, how they put in their, you know, grind. And those are three guys who are like, I really just love the way they work and I love their work ethic. They come in, they're quiet, they uh they work as hard as they can in the gym, that then they go out, work as hard as they can at practice, they take every rep seriously. So those are definitely three guys that I really I really try to model myself. Not model myself, but uh you know, use their their kind of mold to becoming a proven division one pitcher. Yeah. And
0: Steve, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you so you it. mentioned you mentioned a guy who's the grad transfer from Bigginton. What's his name? Uh Luke Tizado. Okay. So you said he's one of the smartest guys when it comes to pitching that you know. So what do you mean by that? And like what are some different things that you're learning from him this past this this
1: fall and just um currently? Yeah, so he spent 2 years at Drive so he understands even outside of like the numbers, the absolute numbers cuz those are pretty easy to understand if you just sit down and read. Um more the the art like he kind of calls it the art of pitching like mechanically why this this and this and then why certain pitches work with certain pitches and then mapping out a throwing program for myself um so when it comes to like mapping out a throwing program why do I want this day and this day to contrast so stuff like that like and i and I would sit down in the locker room with him and we'd just try to map out what I want to do this week and he would, Man, he gave me all of his time to just sit there and help me. So like I'm extremely appreciative of that. Like he's a great again, like a great guy. Yeah.
0: So you see him as a as a future baseball coach somewhere, if he's got uh, Absolutely. this knowledge already? Like <laughs> I will be a
1: power five uh, pitching coach very soon okay. if, right. if if I work out for him. All right.
0: So what is that throwing program for you? Like how like what is it that um just the days in between your bullpens, and what is just your throwing program at this point?
1: Yeah, so I mean a typical week throwing wise is just uh if I'm throwing a pen or if Sam going live like on a Friday um I like to I like to plan out my pen day first just to get that out of the way and then we can kind of fill in the flu the fluff as I like to say so like a Tuesday I'll throw a pen on I know on a Tuesday and then all right well Monday I'm going a long toss to try to like I, I like to long toss the day before a pen and the day before a high intensity day because I feel like it um, it's a good way to train my body to move extremely fast. And that's really all pitching is, in my opinion, is training your body to move as fast as possible. Um, so I like to long toss the day before I pens. So I'll pay, I'll long toss Monday. I will Tuesday. I'll throw my pen Wednesday. I'll go in for treatment and then I'll do like 120 feet. And then Thursday, I'll try to stretch it out to probably 200 feet, but everything on the line and then go on Friday.
0: Okay, so you said that you've been going live here this fall. Who is the toughest hitter on that Villanova baseball team out of your teammates that you just you just hate facing because he's just a tough out?
1: That's a great question. Um, I got two for you. So, number one, uh, Cam Hasser. Actually, I got a oh, whole three. Cam Hasser and Alex Larson are 1A, 1B. Um, Larson's a grad transfer from Penn, and that guy just doesn't miss a barrel. Um, Cam, Cam Hassard, another lefty, like a sweet swing. And, uh, if you make a mistake, he's, he's going to punish you. And then the third one, this is my roommate, um, Colin Quintana. He, uh, I haven't, so like, we just constantly chirp with each other in the room. Like we'll be sitting in the room, just yelling at each other about why, like why, who's better than who, but that kid just puts out swings and he, it, it, it just seems like he's born to find barrels. Like he's just one of those kids, like the bat, the ball just sounds different off of his bat. So he's another one.
0: So take, take us through in a bat with your roommate, uh, when it comes to just what your, uh, approach is to facing him and kind of how, what's the best
1: way to try to get him out? Um, he's really, really aggressive early in counts. And that's something I picked up on early, which is why he's such a good hitter. He's, he's going up there. And he wants to attack. Um, he's like your, your prototypical middle of the order bat. So I, uh, uh, I'm going change up first pitch. Uh, I want to get it inside around his knees. So I want him to see fastball and just swing over top. Um, if I get to 0-1, I think I'm in a good spot. That's where I'll go. I'll bust in and try to try to tunnel a fastball up and in and see if I can get him to foul something off off his hands. And if he gets to 0-2, man, he has no shot. Um, so, I'll, again, I think 0-2 against me, he's still going to be aggressive just because he's facing me. Uh, I'll just rip a slider and see if I can get him to chase. If it's no chase, uh, I probably go back to a changeup in the dirt and see if I can get him to swing over it again. Give him some confidence with a slider out, like an easy take, and then rip a changeup in the dirt and see what he could do.
0: All right. Well,
1: <laughs> um,
0: so when it comes think, to stuff, I've thought about this a little bit. Yeah. Well, I mean, when whenever it comes to roommates and being competitive, I mean, you always have to make sure you're you're trying to get him out as much as possible.
1: So you have, you have a little shit to talk to him. Exactly. I refuse to give that kid any bragging rights. Yeah,
0: no, but when it comes to stuff in the classroom at Villanova, uh, what's this fall been like your first semester? Obviously I believe there's what two, three weeks left in the school year. uh, I mean, in the semester. Um, So kind of what's your first semester been like school wise and maybe what, like, what are
1: you planning on studying overall, like for a major at Villanova? Um, Academically it's tough. It's a, I mean, it's known, it's pretty well known around the country as like a prestigious academic university. Um, And that's really like taken in uh, by athletics. So, I mean, we are, we're constantly let know about our, like getting let know, however you want to say that. Um, We're constantly aware of our coach, of our grades from our coaches um, through and through all athletic programs or like athletic teams. But um, it was tough. It was definitely like a big shell shock with time management, you know, having time between classes where you have an hour and a half where like, you're like, okay, do I really want to take a nap? Like I really want to take a nap, but like, I should probably do homework right now or, you know, just trying to get ahead of stuff, which again, I'm guilty of letting stuff get behind. Like as we talk, I have two five page papers to write. Um, So it's definitely just like one of those time management things and, Getting used to you know not putting stuff out off to the last minute because I'm a textbook procrastinator, um, and like trying to get stuff done early and knock stuff out so you don't have to worry about it like um you know two hours before it's due. Um, as far as my major, I think I'm I'm going communications. I want to be a lawyer, so um you can major in just about anything and be a lawyer. Yeah. So, and uh, Villanova has one of the best sports law programs in the country. So I want to do, I want to do sports law. So that's kind of, that's my goal right now. Okay.
0: So would you, would you plan on uh, staying at Villanova for your, your law degree, or do you think you could potentially go somewhere else if um, baseball does not end up working out professionally?
1: I mean, if I could get in, I, w- I would go there. Yeah. But yeah, definitely uh, again, borrowing some injury. I don't, I'm not lucky enough to have like the fifth year, like the rest of the guys. So I'd love to be able to use a grad year, but Unless I get hurt and uh, get a medical, that's the only way I'm getting it. But definitely, I would I would 100% say it's Villanova. It's close to home, beautiful area. That's where I want to live when I get older. So that's kind of where I like. Okay, so where so Villanova's in
0: Pennsylvania, in uh, Philadelphia, correct? Yeah, just right outside of Philly. Okay, so how far is that
1: located to where you're actually from? Um, it's about I want to say like an depends on traffic a lot, especially with Philly, like going down. Um it's probably like between an hour and a half and an hour and 45 just like depending on the day. Okay. So what was that city
0: of Philadelphia Philadelphia like uh this past month when uh Bryce Harper, Schwarber and the Phillies were
1: in the in the World Series. When I tell you that was the happiest like two weeks span of my life it literally was. Um we um it was just it was mayhem like that's the only way you could describe philly when it comes to like just baseball or like not baseball but like sports in general when we're good at something it's mayhem we went down me and my dad my dad surprised me picked me up at school and took me to a uh, nlcs game five where harper hit the basically his career defining home run yeah and i cried i cried in the stadium when he hit that home run and they wanted to go to the world series i i legitimately cried yeah so i it was just, I've never heard a louder place, so like, unbelievable. And then me and uh, a few of my buddies who are Phillies fans went down just to be around the stadium uh, for two of the World Series, or I forget what World Series game it was. It was the one where Meek Mill performed before it. Was I think I that know. was
0: the first game in Philly, I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we went down for that. So we were just like, obviously, we couldn't get tickets. Like, I'm, I, I just don't want to spend $3,000 on a ticket. Yeah. But. We went down there, we walked around, we got to see it, see the atmosphere, and it was it was unreal. It was, it's really why I love Philadelphia. Like it's just unbelievable sometimes.
0: Yeah. Me, so I'm a so me and my dad were huge Cubs fans. And yeah. obviously, I mean, all growing up, I mean I started yeah. watching baseball in 08 back when I mean we were decent, but then like we struggled for that long period of time. And we were through that rebuild where we drafted Bryant Schwarber, um, had Javi Baez in the system, yeah. Contreras on the way up. Um, all those different guys, and my, me and my dad were like, "All right, when we rebuild to where we're a World Series caliber team and we make it to the World Series, we gotta go to Rig, we gotta go to Chicago, Wrigleyville, and hang out." And it just happened way much, way sooner than what we yeah. thought because I mean that was like right when everyone was in their first, second year, um, in 2016. So like we didn't expect it at all. And then we're like, "Oh, well, like schedule didn't work out." We're like, "Well, this team will probably make it to a couple more World Series." Well i guess kind of that's kind of our fault there and uh, a mistake but no that's no it's it's cool like just especially because philly had i mean you were probably really young in 08 when the phillies were in the or 09 or when whenever it was that they won the world series and like before yeah yeah,
1: i I remember the only thing i remember from that game and i've said before i don't know where i said i've said my buddies the best moment of my entire life I was sitting on the couch with my dad when Brad Lidge closed out the World Series in, 04, or in 08 so I remember it but I <laughs> this year would have been so much sweeter because I would have been there and I mean I'm sure like you definitely remember the Cubs in 16 like it's just something you'll never forget
0: yeah and you guys are bringing back pretty much that I mean that whole
1: lineup's coming back isn't it um yeah except yeah the lineup is I think they're gonna uh, cut ties with Hoskins, which I don't know if they're going to do that yet. That's like a 50-50. Oh, except for uh, Gene is not back. Okay. Well, I mean, he was kind of your worst hitter anyway, so. yeah. Hey, he won the Cardinals game, though, so I can't be too mad at him. That is true. That is true. And, but, and he had a
0: huge hit. Uh, There was – was it the NLCS game or one of the World Series games? He had a huge hit. That yeah, where he of, threw his hat at it, basically, and just pulled yeah. one over. What game was that? I kind of – I remember watching it, but I don't remember, like, what game that was. It was in Philly. I want to say it was Padres game four. Was it? Okay. Because I remember watching that with my buddies, and it was, like, late at night. And we're like, oh, here's Gene Segura. I mean, here's the end of the inning because he's probably going to get out. has, like, a 185 batting average. And then somehow
1: hit But All right. So, I'll trade him for Trey Turner any (laughs) soon.
0: Why not? I mean, I mean that, the shortstop class this year in the free agency is is huge with Swanson, Trey Turner, um, Correa, and I'm, I'm I know I'm missing one. There's four. Okay. Yeah, yeah, but no. Um, so let's kind of move into the recruiting process. But before we do that, I have one question. I generally start off the podcast with that I kind of forgot about today. Um, so that is for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who
1: exactly is Luke Mata? Um, this was the one I was studying for. I was preparing myself for this question. Yeah.
0: I kind of, we kind of just dug straight into Villanova, and I was like, "Oh shoot, forgot about it."
1: Yeah, um, I, I'm just like an outgoing, energetic person. I'm um, a small town kid. Um, yeah, that's that's the best way to do it. Like, I just I just play baseball. That's really all I do. Okay, I, so you- I, I talk to people. I'm, I try to make people try to make people's days when I can, and I play baseball.
0: There we go. Love it. Love to hear it. And, uh, love, love to see that you were studying for that question. Uh, but no, um, so let's dig into the recruiting process a little bit, kind of what you got, how you ended up at Villanova. We've kind of already dug into fall ball and your kind of first, first freshman semester. Um, so just take us through that recruiting process, kind of how it got started for you and when you started getting
1: noticed by some division one teams. Yeah. So mine's definitely a lot different than everybody else's. Um, uh, I didn't really start getting recruited until I had like some contact my sophomore summer. Um, I like I sucked when I was a freshman; like I was horrible. Um, and then COVID year sophomore, I, I got up to like two hundred and eighty pounds. I was like, I realized I started going to a uh, a new training facility. Full reps is actually where I met my advisor. Um, went down there, and kind of realized there was around a bunch of pro guys realize like hey like I don't look like everybody else I need to I need to do something differently um started taking nutrition a lot more seriously nutrition weight room got down to 220 pounds by my junior spring or yeah junior spring I was down to two I was down to like two um and that's kind of where everything kind of picked up I went from 80 my sophomore year uh I was like 88 89 all of all of my spring, and then I was up to ninety one during the summer. So that's kind of where everything picked up, and I started started getting some calls from some schools that, um, a year a year before that I never thought was possible. So that's kind of where everything started.
0: Okay, so who were some of those initial teams that were reaching out? Uh, was Villanova part of that?
1: No, Villanova didn't come on till really late. The first team that called me, I want to say it was through it was through my travel organization. So it was through – I played with Northeast Pride. So it was through them. It was, I want to say UMBC, which was, again, like a small division one. But when you go from – when I, I went from having nothing to in the span of three days, I think I was on, like, 15 phone calls just, like, based off one PBR event. So um, I had calls with, like, UMBC and JIT, like those smaller Northeastern schools. Like, Brian, I think, was one. Marshall. um. Oh my god, there's more Fairfield, Sacred Heart, just like smaller um Northeast schools. And then I went down to Georgia my junior year. And I I was up to ninety or ninety one. And then that's where like the southern schools kinda kinda started giving me some calls.
0: Okay. So take us through that day that you said that you had one day with fifteen phone calls just going back and forth with UMBC, uh, Marshall, all those other schools you mentioned. So kind of take us through that day a little bit, what it was like just constantly on the phone. Uh, Was it pretty much the same type of phone calls with all the coaches or kind of did they vary a little bit?
1: Yeah, they were all like very general. Like I guess like that first phone call for everybody with every school is all um, pretty much the same thing, like introduce you to the program. Um, That day was was wild though. So I – the training facility I was at, it's an hour and 15 minutes from my house. So on my drive there, I think I took like six calls and then I was like, I texted, I probably still have the text. It was, Oh my God. I think it was Seton hall that texted me. It was like, can you call right now? And I was like, give me a half an hour. So I finished my workout. I sat, I sat down in my training facility's office and took like six more And it was just, like, constantly, and it, like, I don't, um, like, want to sound like it was just boring, but, like, it was all the same phone call going through, like, and every program tends to highlight the same thing when it comes to it, and that's, but when a program doesn't is when it starts to set itself apart, and NJIT really set itself apart early. But um, it was just all the same thing, like, hey, we're interested in you. We have this X, Y, and Z um we're getting this field upgrade in seven years which doesn't affect you um (laughs) yeah i did i i actually did hear that from a coach we're getting a field upgrade planned for seven years it's like a like 15 million dollar upgrade It's like well that doesn't really help me anytime soon
0: yeah because i mean you're not gonna you're not gonna be there in seven years anyway
1: oh exactly so i mean you just kind of like heard the highlights of their program what what they could do for you and then like Few of them tried to set up visit or like started the start like the whole visit process, and then um that was really it with those phone calls. So
0: you said there was one school that kind of didn't highlight everything the same as everybody else. So what school
1: was that, and what what were some different ways they went about it? NJIT. Um, so they're I want to say they're in the American East. I want to say, but they were the team. I don't know if you remember like two years ago at Arkansas when. Arkansas fans like became like huge fans of NJIT like that was like a huge thing at the Arkansas regional okay um I don't don't remember that but yeah that was like a huge big thing with them but um they were so NJIT it's an engineering school so basically they had their engineering students build like this whole like Wake Forest style pitching lab and that was, I heard that, and my, like, jaw, like, my eyes, my eyes lit up, and I was like, this could be something, like, I really am interested in, and just the way um, Coach he was their pitching coach, who went about not only talking to me as a person, but, gain- like, gaining my trust, and then um, just the way he talked about pitching, and his understanding of just the technology side, and understanding pitching, and mocap assessments, and stuff like that, and that's that's kind of what set him apart from the rest of the coaches that day
0: okay so you, you go ahead and you go down to georgia you said more southern schools started reaching out after that um so how did more of those southern schools uh what so what were some of those schools and how did they vary when it came to that first phone call or even just kind of
1: going through that re- re- relationship building process yeah they were um and, again, like, I, I wasn't a huge recruit coming out, so I wasn't getting calls from, you know, the University of Tennessee and schools like that. But I went down there, played well. Um, I had calls. There was a good bit. Like, Georgia Southern, Georgia State, um, Mercer, Campbell. Well, there's another one. Um, UNC Greensboro, UNC, USC Upstate, um, College of Charleston, that was a big one. Um, Radford, um, Old Dominion, schools like that. So, like, um, their calls were more – it was more focused – outside of, like, the Virginia ones, like the South Carolina and below, they were more focused on, hey, if you come down, you can play baseball all year round. You don't have to deal with these, you know, 25-degree days. Um, we were on the field all year. Um, that was That was the big thing with them. And a lot of those programs, like when you start getting into, and this is no hate on any of those schools, but a lot of those programs, they're bringing in 13, 14, 15, 16 guys, even like the small Southern programs, because that's been a proven method to win. But that wasn't something I really wanted to get into. And I made that really clear. I was like very early on in phone calls. I was like, Hey, like, I really want to be one of your guys. Like, I, I don't want to just be a number when I get there in the fall. Like, that was my big thing. And some of those schools, um, some schools I didn't mention had that. And that wasn't something, like, I really appreciated. I understood that's their job. And this is how they win. And that's why they win. But that wasn't something I really wanted to get my get myself into. I wanted to be someone – I wanted to have, like, a personal relationship with my head coach. I wanted to have a personal relationship with my pitching coach and not just be a number. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, so besides having that personal relationship with your coach, what were some other key things that you were looking for um, as you were going through that decision process when you were comparing Villanova to
1: some of those other schools? Um, I mean, the biggest thing was just technology. I I love the idea of knowing why I'm a good pitcher, whether it be with Trackman, Rapsono, and not only having the technology because at this point in 2022 every single – Decent university has a Rapsodo or a Trackman somewhere. Um, I wanted the the coach to have the knowledge to put that in perspective and have the like kind of like the openness to use it. Ooh, twenty percent battery. Um, the openness to use it at any given point. So like some of the schools will have it; they'll have it in storage with dust on it, and their coach doesn't know what what he's doing with it and doesn't want to use it. I wanted a school that values that information and uses it to make me a better pitcher and be like, Hey, like maybe we should try a curveball instead of a slider just because so-and-so like, for example, um, so stuff like that was really, really important to me. And that's kind of what it came down to. And then obviously academically there was some, there was some thought there. Um, that wasn't my biggest thing. Obviously like you need a backup plan if baseball doesn't work because eventually one day it's just not going to work. But um, that academically was kind of like the third thing. Like, okay, like this meets what I want with the coaching staff who I'm obviously going to spend most of my time with. Pitching development and technology-wise this meets it. All right, let's look at academically.
0: Yeah. So before you kind of realized that Villanova was the place for you, was there a couple schools that finished potentially second or third in that decision-making process um, that kind of just gave Villanova a run for its money for you?
1: Yeah, there's. Was um two really big ones uh college of charleston was the school like over the summer i just had like a very weird experience with the college with college charleston they came to see me play i want to say five or six times and every time i shoved like i like went like five scoreless like 12 punch outs like up to 90 like just filling it up like one walk um and every it was every time they came to see me play I would just shove and I'm just like today is a day like I'm gonna get an offer from these guys and they just never did and they never put out an offer for some reason um that was that was a school I thought I was gonna go to for the longest time I had a really good relationship with their coach I love Charleston South Carolina so um that was one and then Radford University who I I can now say this that their coaching staff is gone I have some very very hard feelings with their coaching staff over the way they went about the recruiting process um with just some of the some of their decisions and stringing out and I actually turned down some other scholarship offers because they were stringing me out um so they were the other one where I was very close to going if they would have went about the recruiting process the right way and in a more respectful way i guess i could say yeah
0: so do you do you remember kind of the day that it hit your mind that okay villanova is the place for me
1: yeah so i took my second unofficial there. yeah um so my dad actually went there too so that was he didn't play baseball he was just like normal student but i've grown up a villanova basketball fan um, like we'd watch every game. We'd sit there, you know, like every single game. I can name probably Villanova players from 20 years ago just because of my dad. Um, so went on my second, just kind of going around the campus again, going through the weight room, um, going through the weight room, going through everything, facility wise, nutrition wise, what do they have to offer me? Athletically, academically, they put out their offer. Sitting in the locker room, all the coaching staff left, let me and my dad talk. They gave me two weeks. They were extremely, extremely understanding of, like, where I was in the process. And um, I, w- I asked Coach Mulvey. I was like, how much time do I have? He's like two weeks, which I was extremely impressed by that he would give me that much time and, you know, let me go through, like, the process with my dad, my mom, you know, my brother, um, my cousins, just, like, who I needed to get opinions from and, like, hear their opinions and what they thought about the situation, Um, talk to some of my coaches, and that was something I really appreciated. So, sitting on the couch, I kind of, that's where it, like, flipped. I was like, all right, I think I want to do this. So, we ended up leaving. Um, That was actually, the day I committed, it was two days after I tore my ACL, which was kind of, like, a nice little add-in there. I was on crutches for my visit on a golf cart. So, that that was a little fun thing, but yeah we got in the car. I got home. um I, I told my I looked at my dad my dad started crying when they actually finally put out their official offer because like he's a Villanova guy like yeah. so I was like I saw him cry. I was like, all right, like I need to go to Villanova like this this is where I want to be. Yeah. so yeah it was it was it was a really nice moment and it was a big sigh of relief to finally get it out and you know just have that like weight off your shoulders. So that was that was that was kind of one I knew. It. So I called Coach Javen. I was like, "Hey, like I'm I'm ready. Like I want to go here." So, all
0: right. So digging into travel ball a little bit, I saw on perfect game that you last played for MVP Beast. You also yeah. mentioned you played for the Northeast Pride as well. So, can yeah. I take us through your travel ball experience? How you got connected with both of those teams?
1: Yeah. So I mean, Northeast Pride. Uh, I got connected with them through my advisor. Um, that was so I met my advisor originally at my training facility. Um, I need a new travel ball team for that summer after a really bad experience with my one for my sophomore year. Um, so he got me in con- contact with Joe Carreri, who owns Pride. Um, sent him some video of just some pens. He loved me. So, uh, I got set up with them. And I mean, my experience with them was nothing but amazing. Like, through and through every tournament I played in, they're, like, first-class organization. They're starting to, like, actually make a legitimate name, but, um... Man, we were good. We had probably like, I would say we were up there with probably one of the most talented rosters in the country. I mean, obviously, like you have like the sticks USA. I don't, USA wasn't a thing at that, or they were a thing, but they weren't nearly what they are now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Teamalique, Evo Show, National. But I mean, we had Duke, Florida State, Virginia Tech, Penn State, um, East Carolina, like every school. So I mean, that was. Again, I'd put it up against anybody in the nation with our pitching staff and just defensively. Like we had West Virginia guy guy locking down center field, Duke guy in right field. Um, I forget who was in left, but you know we had big commits everywhere, and that was again one of the most talented. And then, um, as far as MVP Beast goes, we ended up not qualifying for Jupiter, and I was still uncommitted at that point. I committed really late, so I just needed a team to uh team to play with um for Jupiter obviously I wanted that experience that's one of the most just kind of one of those sought after things you know playing in Jupiter being there um so I saw videos I was like I need to play in this tournament uh called my advisor he said I have a couple teams you could play for this one's more local to you it's from Staten Island I'm from Pennsylvania I was like let's do that like I don't want to get into one of these big big things I just didn't want to do that like I didn't I never enjoyed playing with big teams <clears throat> excuse me god um so got on a call with this guy uh pete <laughs> i don't know how to say his last name so i'm not gonna butcher it um but shout out pete he, he got on the phone staten island guy staten island accent or long island whatever whichever one that's probably like sacrilegious if i call him the wrong one <laughs> but got on the phone with him Dude, just a heavy New York accent, like coolest guy. He's like, no doubt. Sent him video of me. He's like, yeah, you're coming with us, like no doubt. Went down there, treated me like his own. Like, even like coming into that team, they were together for a long time. Like that group of kids has been together since they were like 13 years old. And they brought me in, just like enjoyed my presence, like made me feel like I've been there since I was 13. So, I mean, they're a great group of kids. I mean, that team was loaded too. And, I mean, my experience with both teams, I mean, or those two teams specifically, my 17-year uh, my year was just like I couldn't speak more highly of them.
0: Yeah. So, playing for that one tournament in Jupiter for MVP Beast and then playing for the Northeast Pride, how would you compare the way that both of the, both of those travel organizations are ran uh, just by tournament, like just day-by-day day basis, like during a tournament or just overall kind of like how, I don't know, just how like over the overall vibe, I guess, of the team?
1: Yeah, I mean they were actually really really similar. Um I so funny thing about me, I love to chirp. I I enjoy chirping like I'm the I'm the dude who sits at the end of the bench and screams nightmare. Like I'm that guy. So, um I had to reserve myself in Jupiter just because it's Jupiter like we have agents all over the place. We have every head coach in the nation scouts like you can't really make a fool of yourself yeah so i kind of kept my mouth shut but i could tell like he had the vibe that hey if this was a normal tournament like enjoy yourself like have fun um so in that aspect they're extremely extremely similar uh very relaxed people um they both like love the game of baseball and so um he and uh, the owner of Northeast Pride oh, like, know each other really well. So they have a really good relationship. Uh, there's no bad blood between them. So they run extremely similar. And I, I think most Northeast programs, um, when I say Northeast, I mean like Northeast Pride, um, Lumberjacks, Beast, like they're all really ran similar, similar. So there wasn't too many like distinct differences.
0: So you mentioned that 17-U season. Obviously, that was a really busy season for you, just like it is for the majority of top players like yourself who are headed to power five programs uh can I take us through that 17 u season uh the seven sorry the 17 u travel ball season yeah uh, and then even that story that you started a little bit before off the record uh that yeah. atlanta story you had
1: yeah so i mean 17 new season that was it almost felt like a fever dream just like the amount i traveled like it was just unbelievable so um we opened where do we open up it was literally like a week after high school ended, like it hit. So like high school ended on like a Tuesday. I had a PBR showcase on a Thursday, like art, like scout day, I guess you could call it. Um, and then that, like the next week I was in Connecticut. We were at some tournament in Connecticut, like as a warm up. We then went to like North Carolina. We played in the, the USA tournament. That was a big one. That was a lot of fun. And then, um, Played like one, one or two local, like not local, but local like PG ones, like in Staten Island, just like as a tune-up, and then we went down to Georgia. So the the Atlanta story. Um, so first day there, we're going to Kennesaw State. I, I stayed in Dunwoody, which is like a suburb yeah. of Atlanta. We're going over to Kennesaw State to practice. Um, so it's like a thirty-five minute drive. So it's just me and my dad. Like obviously, like my mom, my brother don't don't want to go to a practice and watch us just hit BP and throw bullpens. Like that's just a waste of time. So get in the car with my dad. And so I need to preface this, but my dad drives like the biggest a-hole you'll ever see. And I mean, like he his sole goal when he steps in a car, he wants to get from point A to point B as fast as possible. He doesn't care who he cuts off, does not care in the slightest. So he gets in the car, right? And automatically, like everybody knows left lane is a fast lane. This is like a seven lane highway. So my dad's like, automatically gets in the left lane right so he's going like 95 like he is moving like if this is in pennsylvania you're getting pulled over passes a cop cop doesn't do anything i was like dude you just passed the cop there's no shot you didn't get pulled over All right? so he's sitting at 95 he's laughing when i tell you he got passed 13 different times just blown by like consistently just kept getting like cars are beeping at him behind him going 95 and My dad's like, "What the hell's going on? Like, this shouldn't be happening right now." It's going ninety five, cars are blowing by him, like flashing him, whipping him off. So I, I just look at my dad. I go, "Dude, you're not a left lane driver down here." So he's like, "He goes, yeah, you're right." Throws on the blinker, goes over three lanes and over into the the right lane. I swear to God, that man not touch the left lane the rest of the time we were in Atlanta. It was I've never seen anything like it. It was the funny. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen.
0: Man, I I need to move down to Atlanta. Shoot, because I mean I I love going fast. I actually got my second I got my second ticket just two days <laughs> ago of the year. Um
1: uh, oh,
0: I, I was going 82. <laughs> a 65? I got really 65. 60. I didn't realize oh, it.
1: So that's it was bad. one of
0: those, it was one of those like it, it's a four-lane highway, but there's yeah, like lights yeah, yeah, yeah. on it. Yeah. Like it's not an interstate. It's but it's still like, I mean, you could there's a left lane to pass people.
1: So
0: yeah, I'm, like, I'm just going. I'm like going 82, not thinking anything of it. Pass a cop, I'm like shit. Like he might turn around, might not. So I I generally don't wear my seatbelt. So I, I I'm like shit. Like okay, throw
1: the seatbelt on. <laughs> yeah, I strap
0: it all yeah. on. Just think, just in case he turned around and yeah. I see him, I see him do like a little U-turn. I'm like,
1: <clears throat> here we go,
0: and got pulled over. And it was like it wasn't even like a like it was like a straight up like you were going 82 and a 60 like. I'm gonna pretty much gonna have to give you a ticket. I'm like,
1: Dude. yeah, there was no break. I yeah. like my biggest pet peeve in the world. I well, my two biggest. Number one, people who sit in the left lane and don't go over seventy five. Yeah, like if if it's a sixty five, you should be on at least seventy five if you're if you're in the left left lane. So my other one, everybody, I don't have my car at school. We can't have cars as freshmen, but I brought it down one weekend and a bunch of like we like we became friends with a lot of like the other like athletes like yeah girls sports teams so a bunch of us wanted to go eat and we had to get on like um like one of the big highways in philly to go eat so like my like inner my dad comes out and i start like kind, kind of like weaving like i'm going fast like i want to get there so they start asking me have you gotten any tickets and i was like yeah they're like oh and they start to, this girl starts telling a story about how she got pulled over but didn't get a ticket and every – all three of the girls in my backseat, there's, like, six of us in the car. It was really illegal. I have a Jeep. <laughs> it was really illegal. Um, they, they started telling stories about how they don't get tickets. and They all just cry when a cop comes up to them after they get pulled over. And that just – I can't tell you how mad I was because if I cried to a cop, a cop would just give me the ticket even quicker. Yeah, because they'd be like – what? Oh, in a way, they'd kind of be like, what is – exactly but like they get out of it so i mean that's just those are my two pet peeves when it comes to driving
0: yeah literally right after so right after i got the ticket i texted like my house group chat i was like man i wish i was i wish i was a chick so i could i I actually said like so i could cry when a cop comes and get get out of tickets it just sucks like i just every time i'm getting a ticket like i just have no chance yeah I've, i've been i've been warned once and that was it the rest i've gotten
1: tickets and it i'm just like shit I don't want to talk about my driving record personally. <laughs> it's it's not great. Um, I've probably got I've got a few warnings. Again, I just like, I just drive fast. Like it's just how I am. Yeah. Like, which I, just, I mean, if you're
0: driving fast and safe, like there shouldn't be yeah
1: exactly be, like, like a
0: problem. With it.
1: There's a difference between fast driving and reckless driving. Yeah, like there's a huge difference in what that is. Like reckless, like you're going like 110, trying to blow, like run people over. Like if you're going 85. And there's nobody on the road i don't see the problem yeah
0: i'm going to have to i'm usually the driver when we go places with like friends like if we go on a trip yeah. to chicago or nashville or something i'm usually the yeah, driver yeah. well not anymore cuz i'm not i'm not i'm not speeding 85 90 on a on an interstate and getting getting my third ticket of the year so Get I'm, some points I'm, passing, on the license. I'm passing that duty a little to somebody else in, in the friend group
1: yeah that should be that's like a general rule if you have two tickets yeah you got you got to pass on the duty the uh the rule sucks
0: but no uh so digging into travel just a little bit more um so you talk about that story with your dad to go in atlanta but what are just some other like just favorite travel ball memories that you have going to usa baseball going to all these different tournaments across the country uh just kind of take us through some of those cool memories that
1: you have with <clears throat> and even your family um definitely jupiter with my dad so my mom couldn't get off of work for jupiter because it's like she's a she works in a school she does like emotional something I have no idea something like emotional support basically but long story short she couldn't get off of she couldn't get off of work so it was just me and my dad um that was probably one of my favorite weekends like extended weekends ever like me and my dad went out to eat every night every day like we get lunch somewhere get dinner somewhere um it was just like a, a lot of fun to spend time with my dad like that like just me and him like we went to uh, Tiger Woods' restaurant, and I'm a huge golfer, so that was, like, awesome. Uh, just constantly going out to, like, really nice restaurants, getting, like, brunch, stuff like that. Like, that was really, really enjoyable, so that's definitely one of my favorite moments. Um, trying to think what else. Definitely, like, mine's entire 13-year season, so the, like, fun thing about my 13 u team, Um, out of, like, the 14, 15 guys on the roster, there's, like, six or seven of us that are playing Division One baseball now from a 13-year team which is like it was a local 13-year team which is kind of incredible to me just like a testament to just like our coaches then Justin Roberts and Justin Gotzi, who like really just threw that team together and uh helped us develop that early so that was definitely that whole season 13-14 you and I want to say I was with them when I was 15 so like that that whole three years like those kids literally are my best friends like I'm going to see them tonight so uh they're some of my best friends. So that was that those whole seasons were just they're, they're a blur now, but I mean, if I really sat down and thought about the moments, like it, some of my favorite moments have come from those teams. Um, am trying to think there's definitely another one I'm missing. Um, Georgia, Georgia was a lot of fun. Just being able to spend time with me. And my mom got Starbucks every single morning. So that was kind of something to look forward to and some time to spend with my mom. Um. It was just really enjoyable. Just, like, something – like, I really like the small things, like, in life. Like, just, like, those little, like, those little moments and being able to, like, just go and get food with my mom every morning was nice, like, spend time with her, like, at this sheer. Because, like, it's kind of getting to the point, like, they know, like, all right, like, this time next year, like, this doesn't happen. Like, you're going to be at school. Yeah. So, like, starting to, like, really enjoy those moments as, like, the timelines down is something, like, I learned to appreciate. And those are some of the best moments, too.
0: That's – I mean, it's always, it's always cool, like, just hearing – because I mean, my, my roommate he played he played travel baseball across the country. Yeah. I one of my biggest regrets is not doing that. I mean, I was always working as a as a high school kid in the summer trying mm-hmm. to make money. I do regret yeah. not doing that travel, the, like the whole travel ball thing. Uh, but no, it's always cool hearing like just all the like the <clears throat> stories that all these players have, just kind of the relationships they built with their parents, just by going across uh, going across the country playing baseball. Yeah.
1: And not only parents wise, like um. So my best friend name's james lord he plays at he plays a, he's a freshman at penn state um so you'll be seeing him at, at iu but um no so his parents are basically like my parents now like at this point like jim and christy like literally the two, two of the most amazing people i've ever met in my life it's like just like whenever i'm there or like we see each other they take care of me like i'm their own like love me to death so that's like something I think is really special from travel ball and like you know playing with the same kids because I feel like that gets lost a lot now with like um just like these huge travel teams and that's why kind of why I never played with them um I obviously had my opportunities too, and I just kind of always passed them up just because like I felt like it wasn't a family and I just really enjoyed it like yeah sure winning the WWBA would have been amazing but like there's something there's something to be said about the the family aspect to like not a not a local travel team, but a travel team that plays together every single weekend with the same guys. You know what I mean? Yeah, but no, uh, let's let's kind of transition a little bit. Um, so
0: I have to hit the road in like fifteen minutes. Yeah, um, I'm gonna go ahead, just kind of ask a couple more questions, and we'll just end it off. Um, I wish I could dig in a little bit more into the travel ball scene and some other stuff, uh, but yeah. no, just that, I got to hit the road. I got a got a TV interview today for a for a camp I'm doing with some uh, collegiate uh, baseball players for some nil
1: awesome.
0: Um, so we gotta, we gotta hit the road and, uh, cause I told you I'm in the middle of nowhere. So it's an, it's yeah. an hour to the local uh, TV station. So no, we gotta, I, feel, I feel that. <laughs> so we gotta, we gotta hit the road, but no, I, I want to dig into your arm care a little bit. Um, yeah. so I know you mentioned it earlier when it comes to technology and you dig it, you dig into the, um, the grad transfer. I still forget his name. The grad transfer, who's kind of yeah. the, the future power five pitching coach. Uh, but yeah. no, I dig into your arm care a little bit. And kind of what that, what the general off season looks like for you when it comes to deloading and then ramping back up for that spring season.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it's basically like right now, I'm in a like kind of like a tweener phase. It's kind of, I'm not shutting down, but I'm not doing any high intensity throwing. Um, the most I'll do is like 90 feet, just kind of put air under it. And right now, I'm really focusing. Not so much on, like, activation plows, like, the stuff you see reverse throws, um, uh, pivot picks, stuff like that. I'm more focusing on, like, the deactivation plows. I, I like to call them deactivation because that's what I use them for. Um, you know, like, the trampoline stuff, um, the internal rotation stuff, external rotation, stuff like that. So I'm really hammering stuff like that out. And then um, I do a lot of bands, a ton, whether it be J bands or, like, the line, like, overhead bands, like, stuff like here, here um that's what i'm doing and that's really i just want to uh i just want to make sure my arm is healthy at this point and i just want to so like within this deload i just want to make sure i have no pain in any way like nothing like that just so i could when my um like loading phase happens in, i want to say like three weeks i'll start i'll start like loading With throwing, um, when that happens, I'm a hundred percent healthy. I have no pain, no issues. Like I want to be a hundred percent because I want to go out and I want to shove this year. Obviously, so that's kind of where I'm at with it. Okay. So when it
0: comes to pitching repertoire, um, you mentioned kind of you throw. I know you you said you throw a fastball slider, uh, but no overall. When it comes to your entire pitching repertoire, what are those pitches that you're throwing?
1: Um, so I go. I'm a four seam, two seam guy. Four seam, two seam, slider, uh, changeup, and I have a. Curveball, that's kind of it's, – it's a working progress. I wanted a fifth pitch, and I wanted a pitch with vertical movement um, because I felt like that'll help um, just tunnel my fastball. So, I I spin my fastball, like, an ungodly amount. Like, I spin it, like, 25 I, – I don't mean that in a narcissistic, narcissistic way in any matter, but, like, just, like, rap soda numbers, I spin it at, like, 25, 2,600 RPMs, like, 24 to 26, which is probably, like, 300 above MLB average at a slower – like at like 90. So that's – I want something to play off of that because it has like that perceived rise. So um, I wanted a curveball just to have something vertical. And then um, I'm really big in tunneling. I love to t- the idea of tunneling pitches, and that's obviously – people don't appreciate that enough, but that's why people chase pitches is because the pitch was tunneled. So uh, I like to tunnel a changeup or a two-seam off of a changeup off of a slider. So you can use those three pitches because they all look the same. And they all have opposite movements. Where two seams just straight run, change up depth and run, and then a slider is the opposite way. So those are that's really my repertoire and why I designed it that way. Because I always have a pitch to go the opposite of another pitch.
0: Okay. So when you're you said you're adding that curveball, kind of work in progress. When you go about adding a new pitch, I know some pitchers are different when it comes to that. So how do you go about adding new
1: pitches to your repertoire? Um. So I I'm a little different. Um. I like to think. A lot of people want to just want the movement, but I want to create like the spin that creates the movement because really what creates movement is spin. So if I could create end over end like spin with a baseball, I know I could then create the movement I need with a baseball. So um, creating end over end spin was the first thing. I want to understand why I like I throw a really good slider. Obviously, that's spinning horizontally more than. And like top over bottom so my first thought was why do i do that so i get on an edutronic camera and then i just start throwing curveballs Every it looks kind of like a slurve so i'm like all right why is this you look at the video one of my fingers is just pushing so that's creating the um like more um horizontal spin so that's how like we kind of go about it so then when you find out okay let's change this did we get the spin we wanted Yeah. What does the movement profile look like on track, man? Yep. Is it spinning enough? Yep. Okay. There's a pitch. So that's kind of how we go about it. It's just very like little steps to eventually get to that, that end point of having a hammer.
0: Okay. So where you're at, where you're at in your career right now, uh, going through that full fall ball season for your freshman at Nova, playing for MVP beast, Northeast pride, going through high school ball, uh, just being with your parents all the time as well. Um, who would you say if you had to pick a handful of people, Who are just the most influential people of your baseball career so far? Who would those people be?
1: Um. Well, number one, definitely, uh, my cousin Tevin Murray. So I've mentioned this plenty of times in different interviews, but, um, he was the reason I want to play. He is the reason I want to play Division One baseball. He played at Rutgers when I. So I want to say his freshman year was when I was twelve, and I've always looked up to Tevin. So he's how old Tevin? I have no idea. Actually, I have no idea how old he is, but basically, um, he, I saw him play at Rutgers, and I was like, okay, this is something I really, really want to do, and he understood that, and he saw that I had the work ethic to do it, so he took me under his wing, um, really treated me like his little brother, and kind of explained to me, showed me the ropes, um, and that's definitely 1A, I guess. I can't really call one of them number one, but that's the first one that comes to mind, just because... He was the reason I once played Division One baseball, yeah. and I want to make a career out of this. So he's a huge one. Um, who else? Uh, Eli Naples. So Eli was one of my trainers. He actually was training at the facility I was at. Became a trainer, and he is just one of the most genuine people I've ever met. Um, cares about me like, de- like genuinely cares about me, and even though I'm not with that facility anymore. Texts me constantly, checks in on me, calls me, just, you know, like you can tell he genuinely cares about the people he trains. Yeah. And we're from like a similar area. So um he took like an interest in me and he's been nothing but amazing to me, like really helped me with anytime I have a question, I could text him. And that's something I really appreciate. Um obviously my dad uh you know introduced me to the game of baseball. So I'm I'm forever in debt to him for that. Um, traveled with me did anything he could to let me accomplish my dreams. So just one day I hope to be able to repay him for that. So he was another one. Uh, there's so many coaches, like just coaches in general. Uh, Scott Chambers, one that comes to mind automatically. Uh, he coached me my 17-year summer. <laughs> Again, someone I FaceTime once a week. Played for him for one season. Got really, really close with him. I FaceTime him once a week at school. Again, just like an amazing person. I'm trying to think. There has to be. I feel like there's one more. I don't want to miss anybody. I feel I feel bad if I miss somebody. Um, Scott and uh, I mean, that, that just about covers it. Like I definitely miss somebody, and I'm gonna get a text when this goes live, and being like, you, you, like you missed me. But yeah, those are the four that come to mind straight off the top. Okay, all right. So
0: digging into nil a little bit. Um, so as I go, as obviously as I go through your Instagram profile, I see you've done some stuff. <laughs> pictures only clean fuego old south there was another one as well um through how you got connected with a couple (coughs) of companies and what some of those nil deals actually are
1: um i kind of just like i have the very the worst thing they could say is no mentality so i just reach out i'm just like send an email be like hey like this is my following like i have this audience i could help like obviously like I'm at Villanova, which is a target audience for you when it comes to like a rowback or an old south. Um, reach out, try to work out a deal. Um, a lot of times it is like apparel based, so just send me some shirts, which is like all I want. Like a free shirt yeah. is so cool. Yeah. Like I love getting a free shirt in the mail. Like there's nothing better than it. Um, there was um another one, Hobo Chic, sent me some stuff. All I had to do was post. Um, so that's a lot of it, and then more like the pitching side with pitchers only and um clean Fuego. clean Fuego took care of me a lot actually sent me like a whole set t-shirts stickers anything you could ever imagine so that was that was a really really good one they were amazing to work with um still work with them a lot actually so that was a really good one and then pitchers only another one uh i found them at like five thousand followers it's like, okay, like I kinda like what this brand is doing. Reached out to them. They sent me a couple shirts. Uh threw something up on Instagram. So that's what that's what a lot of them look like. Hey, like send me some 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 apparel, throw it on Instagram. Like I've I have a pretty good following on Instagram. Um, so it's kind of all it is, honestly. Just asking.
0: Yeah. I was just I was just curious in terms of like if they were reaching out to you or not. Because I do help out a couple IU players with some NIL stuff. And yeah. Helping them reach out and stuff like that. Like I'm creating a a marketing deck for a player right now that it's kind of just like a presentation put together Mm -hmm. with like his personal logo, his social media.
1: uh, That's sick.
0: Um, Because I mean, if I, like I said earlier, like, if I want to do it, like I want to do it right. Yeah, Um, absolutely. And the way you're doing it is, I mean, it's great as well. Uh, But no, I just want to help him and kind of use it as a way as well. When I start uh, like getting uh, like offers from agencies, like ways to, um, just prove like show them of the stuff I've done in the past. So that's just some some stuff I'm working on. That's um, something I need to look into
1: because that's I mean, getting onto a more professional side when you start going after bigger companies. That's that's something I find beneficial. So that's 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 interesting. I like that.
0: Well, if you if you'd like to uh if I like so it's not finished yet. I mean, it's just something I've been doing like when I'm not working on the podcast or a couple yeah, other yeah. projects I got going on. Um I just work on that. Um helped him create his own personal logo. Actually, I'll send him I'll send you his website that I made for him. Um, he has a
1: website that's yeah, so that's
0: it's, awesome. called, it's B, it's B rise uh, okay. 51.com. I can send you the link. Um, he's yeah. actually, I'm going to pick him up here in like that, uh, in a couple minutes, too. Yeah, go. yeah. He's, he's from like my same hometown, pitches at IU. Okay. Um, so, um, so we've got three minutes left. Let's see if we can kind of knock out these last few questions. That way, I don't have to send a, a new link and go through that. Uh, that's but no, so when it comes to N- one, one last NIL question. Okay. Uh, dream brand so, Ooh. Look at me.
1: lululemon
0: okay all right well that's not that's like the you're like the 15th person to say that here on the podcast like am i actually that's a that's a very common
1: one dude uh i don't want to be basic but i i wear so much lululemon stuff it's unbelievable like it's the best clothing i mean if they're watching this lululemon emails in my instagram bio um reach out but no so i wear so much of their stuff like it's the best stuff so that's that's I'll, definitely number one
0: i'll make sure to tag them in the in the
1: instagram <laughs> yeah. so,
0: so they're like oh who's, yeah. who's this guy and they look into you uh but know two more questions here for you for you um so what is it that motivates you what is it that kind of just in your mind you're just wanting to get up every day go win the day and just continue towards your goals
1: Um, I don't want to leave anything on the table. I want, um, I've been asked a lot, like what, what is my goal in baseball or life in general? And it's literally just become the best baseball player I could possibly be. Whether that be, I play in the bigs for 15 years or my career ends after Villanova. Um, I want to become the best baseball player I could possibly be. And that's really it. Like, I just want to be the best version of myself. So, I mean, I'm not, obviously I chase goals. That's a big thing, but I my main goal is to become the best version of myself. I don't want to leave any chips out on the table. I want to go all in on myself.
0: Okay. So perfect picture here in 20 years. You keep going towards those motivation, keeps going towards those goals, becoming the best version of yourself. What is that perfect picture here in 20
1: years? 20 years. So I'll be, what, 38? Um, I'll be, I'll say, like, four years retired from the MLB. I'll have a, a nice house in Philly. I'll get to start my career, whether it be, a, I mean, I want to be a lawyer, no matter what. So um, as soon as my baseball career ends, I want to be a lawyer. I'll have a, a wife and I'll pass my, my baseball dreams along to my two, to two kids. So that's, there that's the go. perfect picture.
0: For me. The, the, the American dream right there. Exactly. Uh, but no, uh, that's all the questions I got for you, man. Really appreciate you coming on the show. I really enjoyed talking to you, getting to know you. Um, Hopefully uh, Villanova basketball, IU basketball, potentially meet up in March Madness sometime uh, we'll, we'll see what, see what happens there, but no, just best of luck no uh, when it comes to the rest of your career at Nova. I'll definitely be following your career. Uh, def- I want to get you some merch, some JKR merchandise here at some point. Um, so once we get my next order in, I'll kind of I'll send you um, something out. Uh, but no, man, just thanks for coming on the show.
1: No doubt, I appreciate it. I had a great time.